Well, we are in week number three of a series titled This or That, where for the month of January, we are taking time and we are looking at biblical principles to help us make better decisions. And I'm excited as we dive in today, but before we dive in today, I want to take a minute and just kind of update you across all of our campuses, the Mount family, on where we are with some specific things. Uh, if, if those of you that are maybe new for the first time or you haven't been here as often, one of the things we say here at the Mount is that we are a church, we exist, our purpose, our mission, we exist to make a difference for one more. We believe with everything in us that the, the story of Jesus that we see is the good news that is for every single person. We see in scripture where Jesus will leave the 99 to go after the one, where God says anytime there's a, something happening, a banquet at a table, there's room for one more. We believe with everything in us that we want one more person to experience the life-changing story of Jesus, to grow deeper in their faith with him, and to begin to share that good news with the world around them. And so if you've been here for about five months or so, you'll remember this past August, we made an announcement that we said in light of that mission and our goal and our strategy, we were going to be launching a new campus into the Bealton, kind of southern Fauquier County next to us. And we said that that area of the, of the county is an area that's not really being reached by a church that is like the Mount. And so we have, over the last couple months, uh, been doing some stuff leading up to this launch that's coming this August. And I just want to update you on that launch because many of you are asking questions. And the first question that I get asked quite regularly is, Adam, what's going on with the campus? Do we have a location yet? And I want to let you know, yes, we do have a location. We have partnered with Liberty High School right there in the Bealton community. And that is going to be the location of where we launch and where we meet. And you can see a picture here. This was one of our vision nights where we were gathered on the stage and there was people and we were worshiping and singing and then we broke off all over that high school campus praying for what God was going to do through that place. And so we're really excited about this because this location is central. Everyone's gonna see it. They're gonna know where it's at and it'll be make it super easy for us to begin to plant this new campus. And the other question that I get asked quite regularly is, Adam, who's gonna be the campus pastor? And maybe that's a question you've asked because you're trying to decide, right? Like we live in like West Stafford County. Maybe we'll head out there. I don't know. It depends on who the campus pastor, who's going to be shepherding, who's going to be leading. What does that look like? And I just want to let you know today, I'm super excited to announce that we have identified our campus pastor. And so over the last couple months, we've been maybe the last six months, we've spent time interviewing numerous candidates inside and outside of the church. We have talked with tons of people, but the Lord just kept bringing us back to this one person, this one name over and over and over again. And so today I'm excited to tell you that our Bealton campus pastor will be our very own Caleb Epperson, who is our Fredericksburg campus pastor right now. And he's going to be transitioning over there for us. So we're excited about this. And so what I want to do is I want you to watch this video from Caleb with me. Thanks, Adam. I'm excited to accept the role of campus pastor here in Bealton. My family and I have lived in the community for over four years. And in seven months, we are excited to bring Jesus and the Mount into a community where only 5% go to church. I ask you to pray for my team and I as we prepare for our August 11th launch. Mountain Church, I ask you to pray. If you are in the area, please consider joining our team here in Bealton. Exciting days are ahead of us. To my Fredericksburg Church family, over the past four years, together with you, volunteers and staff, we've created a good culture and a great place for you and your family to worship and experience Jesus. We are seeing lives changed, people joining groups, volunteering, and making a difference in our community. Today, we are a healthy, growing church. 
This decision was a tough decision for my family and I to make, but after much prayer direction from God and wise counsel, I am excited to pass the torch on to the next campus pastor. I want to thank a great team of volunteers and staff. I also want to thank you accepting and loving my family. Thank you for allowing me to lead and shepherd your family. Please be praying for us as we transition out of Fredericksburg over the next few months to Bealton. Fredericksburg, you are my heart, and I love you all. Yeah. We are... We are super excited about the Bealton campus launching with Caleb's leadership, his, his shepherding, and his, his skills and his talents that he brings. If you don't know this, but Caleb is an exceptional leader who has done incredible things down at our Fredericksburg campus. And Fredericksburg, I just want to talk to you for just a moment and let you know how much Caleb loves you. As we've had these conversations over the last couple months, Caleb just kept saying, but I love the people in Fredericksburg. I love Fredericksburg. I love the relationships I've built there. I love what God is doing there. And so for him, he's excited about this new thing, but he also is sort of grieving over letting go of you guys. And so I just want you to know that he cares about you and loves you, and he will always be cheering you on as another another role in our organization. And so here's what I want to ask of you as a church. Three things. One, if you live in the Bealton, Warrenton, Culpeper, Southern Fauquier County, Western Stafford County, where you're one of those people where it's like, man, I could, I could get to the Bealton campus or to the Stafford campus for the same amount of distance. I would love to invite you to our last and final vision night happening next Sunday at 5 p.m. at Liberty High School. This will be a chance for you to come and meet Caleb, for you a chance to hear our vision of what we think God is gonna do for that campus, and for you to hear the plans of what we're going to be doing this spring as we begin launching small groups and doing local missions projects serving the community in preparation for our August launch. Or maybe you know someone in that area. I would encourage you, invite them, let them know, let them come hear what God is going to do. Secondly, would you as a church be praying for this campus launch? As a staff, as elders, as volunteer teams, as the people who are already gathering in the Bealton area, we believe expectantly that God is going to do some really big things in this community that is ripe for a church like the Mount. And so we know that we can have all these strategies and all these plans, but as a church, we want the Lord to go before us. We want his will, his power, and his presence to move. And so would you just be praying for that with us? And third and lastly, would you be praying for our Fredericksburg campus? The transition of losing a campus pastor, even though he's not gone, but he's moving somewhere else, he's being redeployed, is still something that they will have to mourn for a bit. But we are faithful and confident that God is going to bring us the next leader down there. We've actually been having conversations over the last couple months in preparation for that, but we just want to invite you in to pray for that with us. And so here's what I want to do. Before we dive in, I do want to take a moment and just pray together as a church for this. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you are a God who goes after the one. You do not leave one more alone. God, you are a loving, kind, gracious God who will pursue relentlessly people who are far from you. God, we pray that as we launch a new campus, that it would be just that, an avenue, a venue for you to use your power to reach people for your name and your glory. God, we pray, um, we pray for our Fredericksburg campus. We pray as they process the news of Caleb transitioning off and as they, they wonder who will be their next campus pastor, God, we know that you are already working out the person that you want to be there, God, and we just pray open-handed that you would make your will and your, your, your wants clear. 
God, we are trusting you to be a God who does big, bold things through us this year. God, we love you and praise you. Amen. Well, like I said, we are in week three of a series titled This or That. And if you are joining us for the first time today or maybe the first time in a while, the premise behind this series is that we are trying to get better at making decisions. And one of the things we've said every single week just for a recap is we've said that there is power in our decisions. Whether we want to admit it or not, there is power in our decisions. In fact, most scholars or researchers would say that the average human being, you and I, makes somewhere around 35,000 decisions on any given day. Now, some of those decisions are these massive, big, what we would call life-altering decisions. Some of them are those kind of mundane, habitual, without thinking, routine decisions that we make. But regardless of the level or size of the decision that we are making, the reality is, is that every single decision we make has power and can determine the trajectory of path for our life for either good or bad. Why? Because your decisions determine your story. Your decisions determine your story. The story that you tell, the person that you are, the life that you live, the person that you will tell your grandchildren or your children that they will tell, the story that makes up you is really just a collection, a retelling of all the decisions you have made leading up to that moment in time. Your decisions determine your story, which leads us to ask this question every single week. What story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? There is power in your decisions. Why? Because every decision determines the story you tell. So what story do you want to tell? And so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some of the reasons why you and I are bad at making decisions. And we said the first week we talked about the idea that to help us make better decisions, to fight fatigue, to fight all these things, we need to decide things ahead of time. And we looked at examples from the Bible where people, before they got put into certain situations, they decided ahead of time, they determined ahead of time, when X happens, I will decide now so that I don't have to worry about when I'm tired and fatigued and my emotions are running high and I can't make clear and concise decisions. I will decide ahead of time what I will do. And then last week, we looked at this idea that for many of us, whether we are a Christian or not, the question we want to know is when it comes to making decisions, is how do I know what God's will is for my life? Like, what does God want for me? What's the, the path, the trajectory? Where does he, he want me to go? And we, when I recognize today that there may be some of you in the room, and you say, man, I'm not, I'm not sure about this whole God thing. I'm not sure I'm committed to him. I'm not sure I believe in him. I, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, Adam, I've never verbalized this question. And while that may be true, I would argue that in your heart you felt this question. You've wondered, like, God, or like, just, I, I just don't want to miss something. What's the plan for my life? What's the purpose? And so you and I as human beings, we want to know, what does God have for us, for those of us that are Christ followers? And we said last week that one of the, the misconceptions around this idea of God's will is that God's will sometimes looks like this. It's this idea that there is this revealed or already spoken will where God has these boundaries and our job is to discern or find or figure out the perfect dot, the bullseye in the middle, which we will call our individual will. Like, God, do you want me to go to this college or this college? I want to know the perfect individual dot. Should I marry this person or this person, this job or this job? Should I go to this school or this school? What should I do? I don't want to mess up. I don't want to make a mistake. I want to get exactly the dot that you have for my life, God, because I don't want to be outside of the individual perfect will that you have for me. And biblically, last week, we said that's really not the case. 
In fact, instead of this kind of precise will that we have to find, this this bullseye dot, instead what we see in Scripture is more this idea that what God has already revealed to us within that is a bunch of freedom and grace. And some of you, you've experienced this. I've heard stories where over the last several weeks you've said, man, I I always thought following God was this, this legalistic, these rules and these boundaries, and I had to do this, this, and this a certain way. And the idea that God gives me freedom to choose and he gives me grace to choose is so refreshing and new and exciting for me. We decided this game, a lot like the game of pool or billiards. The idea is that there are these boundaries and these rules and these protective guidelines built into the game. But if you're stripes, you have all the freedom in the world to hit any striped ball into any category or any pocket in any order in any way that you want. You can get as fancy or as simple when it comes to it. There is freedom and grace in the will of God. Now, I want to pause here for a minute because this is important, so don't miss this. Just because there is freedom, that, that doesn't mean you should do whatever you want. Right? We didn't talk about this last week, but just because there is freedom where you can do whatever you want doesn't mean you always should do whatever you want. And in fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says it this way. It says, you say, and this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, you say, what do they say? I am what? I'm allowed to do, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but he says, not everything is good for you. You say, oh, I'm allowed to do anything, and Paul answers, but not everything is what? It's beneficial. The idea here is Paul is saying, listen, yeah, you are allowed to do anything as long as you are living within the protective boundaries of what God has already revealed in Scripture. You are automatically leaning into a spirit because of that. You are living by the fruits of the Spirit, and your life is trying desperately in your own strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit to live in accordance with the God command. Yes, there's immense freedom, and you can do anything you want, but does that mean you should because not all things are good for you or beneficial? And so what I would argue is that when it comes to this idea of discerning what God has for us, figuring out the plan for our lives, his will when we are making decisions and deciding between this and that, is that yes, there is freedom, but there's also a tremendous amount of wisdom. It's freedom and wisdom. We see in scripture where God gives us tremendous freedom, but he also supplies us with immense wisdom to make the right choice. And so here's what I wanna do for today and for next week. I wanna take a look at some questions or, or filters or principles that we can use to help us make wise decisions based on biblical principles. I think we all would agree we would love to make better and wiser decisions. And now the majority of these principles are going to be found in the book of Proverbs. Some are from Psalms and some are from 1 Corinthians, the passage we already looked at. And what you need to know about the book of Proverbs is it's written by the wisest guy to ever live, King Solomon. Solomon had this moment in his life where God could say, you can ask me for anything you want. And Solomon chose to ask God for wisdom. And so God deposited all of this wisdom into his life. And then Solomon writes it down in a book. And so we're reading the book of Proverbs. We're reading the insight and the words through the Holy Spirit, inspired by, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written through Solomon about wisdom. And it's just full of these, these nuggets of truth that we can pull out and use for our lives. Now, as we go through this, I I need to make this incredibly clear from the beginning because we're going to do half of the questions, half of the principles this week, and the other half next week. And I want to make this very clear. These principles, outside of the very first one, the rest of the eight or nine of them are not in any particular order. 
So I don't want you to go home and be like, okay, I've got to work through this like a spreadsheet, go from number one to number two. No, no, no. They are all principles that you can use at different times. You may be able to make a decision using one of the principles. You may need all 10 of them. You may find out that one of the ones that said next week is more applicable to your life than this week. That's okay. You don't have to do them in order. And you might find out that, man, he didn't include prayer this week. Does that mean prayer is not important? No, prayer is part of next week. And it's just as important as the one we're doing this week. They are not in any specific order. And so the first principle or the first question I think we need to help us make wise decisions is this. What does scripture say? What does scripture say? As people who want to follow Jesus, those of us that are Christ followers, God's word, the Bible, or scripture must be the foundation of all of our decisions. Proverbs 2, 6, or 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 6 says it this way. For the Lord gives what? He gives wisdom, right? We want wisdom. We want to know, should I do this or that? What's the wise thing? Well, the Lord will give you wisdom. How? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From his mouth, the verbal, written down, spoken word of God as we see it in scripture, it is full of wisdom and insight and knowledge to help us understand how to decide between this and that. Psalm 119, 105 says it this way. I love it. It says, your word is a what? Is a lamp for my feet. A what? A light on my path. The idea here is when the, when the writers of the psalm is talking, he's talking about this idea that you and I, if, if, if we're surrounded in a dark world and we're trying to figure out how to step over things and move and make the right decisions and we're looking down and it's really hard to see and we're not sure if it's this way or that way, but the word of God, scripture, the Bible, the Old and the New Testament is like a lamp, like a spotlight pointing down at our feet, showing us the safe and the true and the best way to walk so that we end up in the place that is wise and not foolish. The word of God is a lamp to our feet. It lights our path. So here's what this means. For those of us that have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, that means that God's word, scripture, the Bible must be the basis of all of our decision making. And so here's what this means. This means that if scripture says it, you can't say, well, I know it says that, but like, here's my experience. And here's what I'm feeling. And he just, just scripture, God, God doesn't really know what's going on with my family right now. And so, no, 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 you can't rationalize your way out of what the word of God has already revealed. If it says it, you live by it. If it's been revealed. Now, what about those moments where scripture doesn't flat out say something, where it doesn't flat out reveal something? I would say most likely in those situations, what you'll find is that scripture, the Bible, the Old and New Testament does contain some guiding principles that might apply to the situation you are wrestling between. It might not flat out say, don't do X or please do Y, but it may say in all situations do this. And you're like, oh, well, this applies to this and I can use that guiding principle and the way I interpret it to live out the wisest decision for this moment for me. Now, what I do want to say, and don't miss this because this is important, when you are looking, and we're going to move on from this, when you are looking at Scripture, the Bible, for guidance on making a decision, determining what is the wisest thing for you, be careful that you are not the only one who holds to that interpretation. What I mean by that is if you read something in Scripture and you're like, man, I'm wrestling with this decision. Should I do this or that? And you read in Scripture and you're like, oh, that applies directly to my life. It's what God is speaking. It's what he's saying. And you go and ask a friend who happens to read the Bible too. And you're like, look at this verse. Look what it meant to me. And like, that verse doesn't mean that at all, buddy. 
Or you go and you get some commentaries and you start reading the commentaries and you realize, man, what I'm thinking might be a little heretical. Or you watch sermons and none of the sermons you hear the pastors ever kind of interpret or translate the passage the way you are. Guess what? Not everyone else in the world is wrong. It is probably you. Why is this important? Because you and I, as human beings, we have a tendency when we read scripture, just like when we read other books, to view it through a lens or a filter of our life, our experiences, and our emotions. We don't come to scripture blank. We bring our baggage with us. We bring our preconceived assumptions and ideas with us. And so if you're the only one that interprets it that way, you're probably interpreting it wrong. So let's move on. What does scripture say? Second question is this. Do I have the unbiased facts? When making a decision, do you have the unbiased? That's a key word there. If you're underliner, highlighter, circler, whatever, do you have the unbiased facts? Listen to what Proverbs 13, 16 says it. It says it this way. All who are prudent, what do they act with? They act with but fools expose their folly. All who are prudent act with knowledge. For those of you that have been here throughout this series, we said on week one that one of the reasons we make bad decisions sometimes is because we put way too much trust in our emotions. And when we put so much trust in our emotions, when we make a decision in the heat of the moment, like when we're, when we're feeling it, when we're not very thought out and it's not very wise and it isn't based on facts, what Solomon is saying here is that Solomon is saying fools trust their emotions, but the wise think before they act. The fools trust their emotions. They just go with their gut, whatever they feel in that moment. But no, 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 the wise think before they act. Proverbs 18, 17 says it this way, and I love this one. It says, take a look at this. It says, the one who states, and if you're a parent in the room, you're going to re resonate with this one. The one who states this case first seems what? Until the other comes and examines him. Right, like you, you ever had that moment, like, you know, your little, your little girl comes to you, and she's like, daddy, mommy, mommy, he, he punched me in the face. And you set her down, and you're like, honey, I'm so sorry. We, I'll go talk to your brother. We don't punch people in the face. Here's some ice cream. Watch this movie. You're our adorable little girl. We love you so much. And then you go in the other room, and you talk to the brother, and he's like, yeah, I punched her in the face. She bit me in the nose. You're like, oh. The one who states his case first might seem right until the other comes and examines him. Here's, here's why this is important. Some of you, and this is going to upset you, so I'm going to say this in a loving way. You need to remember that there's always two sides to every story. When you're making a decision, do you have the unbiased facts? Because if you're making it in an emotional, spur-of-the-moment state, you're probably only looking at one side of the story. There are always two sides of the story. Your emotions are not always the trustworthy thing. You gotta stop, gather the facts, unbiased, and then evaluate. Third, what advice do others have for me? What advice do others have for me? I think most of us, we would recognize the value of getting advice from others. And so what happens is we might like be kind of struggling with a decision and we'll say, okay, I got, I got this big thing. I'm trying to decide between this or that. And so we'll go to someone. We'll go to our, our spouse, our, our best friend, our, our, the person we've done life with for a long time, the coworker we talked to all the time. We'll go to someone or somebody and we'll ask for their advice. 
And I think that's good that we seek out the advice of someone or somebody. But what's interesting in Scripture is Scripture sort of goes further than that. Look what it says in Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in a what? In an abundance of what? In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Scripture says that's great that you want to talk to one person and get advice, but you need an abundance of counselors. You need a wealth of information. You need a wealth of advice. You need to seek more than one person's opinion when you are wrestling with a decision. Why? Because you and I, as human beings, and maybe you're much more spiritual than I am. So I, as a human being, I have a tendency where when I am wrestling with a decision between this or that, most of the time, I've already decided in my mind, this is the better one. This is what I want to make. This is what I want to do. And so what I do is I go to people, not for advice, but for affirmation and confirmation of the decision I've already made in my heart. And here's how you know you do it. Are you sharing or are you selling? When you're asking for advice, are you sharing the decision you're making or are you selling them on why the decision you've already thought in your mind is really the best one and the one you need to make. And it is really easy to do this when we ask one person. It is really hard to do this when we ask an abundance of counselors. And I know what you're saying, you're like, I don't do that. You probably do. And what we do is we go to them and we say, here's what I wanna do, and if you're anything like me, when I go to them and I try to sell them on it and they disagree with me, I say, well, I'm never asking that person again. Or I say, no, they just don't understand the pressure. They're wrong. Or I say, yeah, I just, I, I kind of convince them more and more and more, and I have to get them on my side. Why? Because deep down inside, I'm prideful and I'm arrogant. You will never make wise decisions unless you're humble. Fools are prideful. Humble people want the abundance of counselors. In fact, Proverbs 18.2 says it this way, fools find no pleasure in what? Understanding, but they just delight in airing their own opinions. A fool doesn't really care about other people's advice. They just want to make sure other people know what they've already decided and thought. Do you take the advice of other people? Next, does this bring glory to God? Does this bring glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. We looked at the beginning of this, like, the, this sort of section where Paul says, like, you can do all things, but only some things are beneficial. And he's talking about helping them make these decisions about food and drink and all this. And then he says this, so whether you eat or drink, he talks to them, he says, there is immense freedom, but there's also wisdom. He says, how do you determine the wisdom? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? Do it all for the what? For the for the glory of God. In other words, he says, listen, there is tremendous freedom. When it comes to following what God's for you, it's full of grace and freedom, and you have the ability to do anything and everything within the revealed protective boundary that God already has for your life, but not all of those things are beneficial. So when you're wrestling with should I or should I not, this or that, how do I know which one's the wise? Paul says one of the answers to that very question is ask yourself, and the thing I am doing, is it all for the glory of God? 
And when we are wrestling with questions, trying to decide between this or that, one of the questions that need to be fresh at the top of our mind is if I choose this, does it bring glory to God or glory to myself? If I choose this, does it bring glory to God or glory to myself? And I'll be honest with you this morning, I think that if Christians, those of us, regardless of our campus, if we have committed our lives to following Jesus, if we would start asking this question more often when we are deciding not just the big things, but the small things in life, it would revolutionize the way people of the world and around us who don't know Jesus see and interact with the Christian church. If we ask this question before we posted that comment on Facebook or Instagram, does this bring glory to God or does this let me feel vindicated and be known? When we're at the office and someone starts gossiping about the person we don't really like and we join in, does this bring glory to God or does it just make me feel good? Does it bring glory to God? And here, here's why this matters. Look, look at what Paul writes when he writes to the church in, in, in 2 Corinthians. He writes this. He says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He was no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, so Paul's writing to the church and he says, Listen, there's this, this message of reconciliation, and he's given it to us. And look what it says. So we are Christ, what? What are we? We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. In other words, let me paraphrase this as easy as I can. It says the message of reconciliation, the story of the good news of the story of Jesus, the gospel that he came to save people, to redeem them and forgive them and make them a new creation. God has given that to those of us who have surrendered our life to him. And our mission, our purpose is to be an ambassador to the world by the way we act and the think and the things we do so that other people experience and see that message of reconciliation, which means that every single thing that we do, every decision, small or big, needs to be pointing people to God's glory, not to our own. Question, when you are deciding, does it bring glory to God or you? And here's the reality. Sometimes the thing that brings glory to God is the hardest for you personally. The will of God is not always the safest place to be. It might break you down and tear you down. And you might go through a season that is hard and difficult. But it brings glory to God. Lastly, what might be the bigger story? When you're wrestling between this or that, a question to ask yourself is what might be the bigger story? story. Proverbs 14, 15 says it this way, the simple believe anything, but the prudent, what do they do? They give, they give thought to their steps. In other words, let me, let me, what it's saying is it's saying so many of us, the, the, we, we are like heads down thinking of the next step. We're thinking of the next decision. Should I do this? Should I do that? Making these tiny steps, looking down. But it says the person who is prudent, the person who gives thought to their steps, they're, in other words, they're looking up, they're looking down, and they're saying, if I make this step today, this small decision that seems insignificant, where will it take me in one, two, five, or 10 years? 
If I make this small step that may seem insignificant and very small, where will it take me in one, two, five, or 10 years? The people who are making wise decisions, they are not thinking about the moment. They are thinking about the bigger story that God might be writing as their life goes and presses down and down and down. In fact, Proverbs 14, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture says it this way. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the what? The foolish one, what does she do? She tears hers. In other words, the wise woman builds her house. To build a house, you have to have a plan. You build it up. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But the wise woman, or the foolish woman, with her very own hands, she tears it down. How? Piece by piece, step by step. In other words, your story, your decisions determine your story. Every little decision you make. It's either building a house or tearing it down. What story do you want to tell? Do you want to tell a story of pain, regret, foolishness, and rebellion? Or do you want to tell a story of faithfulness, obedience, trust, and surrender? Your decisions determine story. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that in scripture you give us such amazing, amazing words, amazing examples of how to be wise and make decisions based on your leading and your spirit. God, I pray for us as a people across all of our campuses, as as a Mount family, God, that we would be people who make wise decisions within the freedom and the boundaries that you have given us. We are so thankful for grace. We are so thankful that there is not some precise legalistic plan that we have to nail every single time, but instead you have given us a protective boundary of your revealed will and all we have to do is trust and lean in and live within and your spirit and your power will guide us in the wisest thing. As we continue praying, maybe you're here today. And if you were being honest, you would say, Adam, I I make some really unwise decisions. Most of my decisions are about my own arrogance, my own pride, my own glory, what makes me feel good, where my emotions are running high. Most of my decisions I look at and I regret maybe later because I don't really think them through. And let me just tell you, I'm with you. I spent the first 21 years of my life in that exact same spot, decision after decision, full of non-wisdom, full of regret and pain and heartache. And I still have moments even now, even though I've been walking with Jesus for almost 20 years, where I still have moments where my flesh rises up and I make unwise decisions because I'm a fallen human being. But here's the good news, is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, came to this earth, born, lived a perfect, sinless life so that one day he could die a brutal, painful death for your sins, your mistakes, your regrets, your bad decisions. And three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating death, giving you new life and the ability through his power to be wise. Some of you, you've been trying to make wise, good decisions without the wise, good father. And today you need to surrender to him and trust him for salvation. 
that's you with all of our eyes closed and heads bowed, whatever campus you happen to be at, if you want to surrender your life to the Jesus who gives you new life, would you just be bold and raise your hand high right where you are? Jesus, I surrender all. I see your hands. I see your hands. If your hand is raised, whatever campus you're at, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I am a sinner. Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Be my king. I surrender my life.